Hi there, we're your IP consultants. This is about to be highly indulgent. So sit back and unpack your anti-convulsants. And we'll tell you where to shove your Stanleys and Vulcans. We'll use this device for unsolicited advice. You didn't ask us for it, but you can't beat the price. We offer up our services from the U.S. to Sweden. We're your IP consultants, Vincent and Ian. It's a me. <laughs> wow, you couldn't do that with a straight face. Yeah, no. Welcome to the IP Consultants podcast. Uh, I'm Vincent, and I'm Ian. And uh, today we're going to talk about an IP that's been around for a while since the '80s. We're going to talk about the Super Mario IP. Yeah. So we we know that there's been a live action movie for Super Mario Brothers, and generally, if you're a video game fan you don't talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie. Although, for some people, there's a certain nostalgia for it. Some people like it for what it is, even though it's not very accurate to the game. Yeah, I have an odd appreciation for the live-action movie, even though I fully recognize that it's not a good adaptation of the source material. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I feel the exact same way. I know it's terrible. I know Bob Hoskins hated every waking moment he was in that movie but i still kind of love that movie for what it is but that being said this is not a cold property anymore illumination entertainment which is an animation studio that has done the despicable me movies they've done the secret life of pets are doing an animated super mario brothers movie within the next year or so right also uh we should mention there have been several cartoons over the years although not recently and they're obviously constantly releasing games oh yeah and constantly releasing and re-releasing games oh yes the month that this goes up more than likely if this is still in january they will have just re-released new super mario brothers u deluxe which is the game that came out on wii u only they've now released it on the switch complete with the luigi brothers version game and a whole bunch of extra features and a lot of the cartoons that have been released too not just in america there was a super mario brothers animated movie done only in Japan wasn't released in the US really um, it's on YouTube I think I've seen it on YouTube I don't know if I saw the whole thing but I, I know I, I tried to watch it at least the nostalgia critic recently reviewed it within the past year or so because mm. um, it is on YouTube it complete and I think it's a fan dub I don't think it's a legit dub for it I think it's a fan dub so the translation is slightly off yeah I believe I watched it in Japanese with subtitles and it was a fan sub I'm pretty sure that does exist it's always my opinion that it's easier to adapt a lot of these properties that we talk about in animation than it is in live action because there's so many different things that you can do in animation effects wise or neat looking wise than you can do in live action you don't have to worry about who you're going to cast to play Mario you can actually have the character look like the character you know you've got Charles Martinet who is in the Guinness Book of World Records because he's voiced Mario over a hundred times and he had five lines over the course of that. <laughs> he said, yeah, it's a me. He's said over a hundred times differently to just re-record it because why not? Charles Martinet, actually really, really sweet guy, really funny guy. I met him several years ago at a game function when I used to be in games retail. And uh, he's super cool and kind of funny. And it was interesting because it was a Nintendo function. And sorry, side story here. He was kind of being Mario, but kind of vulgar. which was kind of interesting. He was just dropping Italian salami jokes and uh, (laughs) 
it was really kind of out of it because it was for industry people. It wasn't for like the general public. So it was just kind of like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> but it was kind of funny. So uh, about the movie, do we have any information whatsoever about the upcoming movie other than it's being done by Illumination? Do we know who's writing it, who's directing? Nobody has said who's writing, who's directing, nothing. And no voice cast. No voice cast has been announced yet. So for all we know, because Charles Martinet has been the voice of Mario for so long... I would hope that they would use him, but that's not guaranteed. Yeah, no. There have been other voices for Mario before, and they've been very different from his. Yes, they've been very different. He's kind of putting on that pseudo-Italian-American accent. And he's doing a very Mickey Mouse-ish voice. Yeah, it's very high-pitched. He also does the voice for Luigi, which is a little lower-pitched, but also in the same accent. He does the same voice for Wario and Waluigi. So, um, do we jump into speculating on what we want that movie to be? Or Yeah, that's kind of where I figured we were going with this one. Because, you know, ideally, for an animated Super Mario Brothers movie, it's an IP that, at this point, because they've released hundreds of games, it's a property that so many people are familiar with, and Nintendo has been shying away from doing a feature for their characters for a very long time because the one time they did it in live action we got the movie that we got right um so they've kind of been shying away from allowing their ips to be adapted so this one nintendo from what i understand is very very involved with so this seems like this is going to be something that we're going to see kind of a as faithful as it can be adaptation of the character i don't know whether they're going to specifically adapt a game or not any specific title i don't know if we're going to get mario going to the mushroom kingdom for the first time meeting princess peach and trying to save her for the first time or not and then we have that extra question of like where where does baby Mario fit into all of this? Because that was added to the lore <laughs> relatively late. It was added in the 90s, I believe. It was added in the 90s, which was technically in the fifth Super Mario game, because it was Super Mario 1, 2, and 3. And then there was Mario World. And Yoshi's Island is Mario World 2. Yes. It's the fifth game in the Super Mario series, but the sixth game in the Mario series, because it started with Mario Brothers before it was Super Mario Brothers. And even before that, there was... He had an appearance in Donkey Kong, but he wasn't called Mario then, he was Jumpman. Yeah, so his full name, of course, is either, according to the live-action movie, his full name is Mario Mario, and Luigi's full name is Luigi, Luigi Mario. Mario. Because they're the Mario brothers, and, you know, it makes sense. But in my head, I feel like their last name is Jumpman. Yeah, well, sure. <laughs> Uh, I think, actually, the Mario Mario thing is the only thing Nintendo has taken from the movie and made canon. Yeah, that did come up in, I think, an interview. I think that came up in, like, some Mario book recently, because it's been, like, his 30th anniversary recently. And so there's been those things where it came up and people were like, you know what, his last name is Mario. Because... <laughs> yeah. They're the Mario Brothers. You list people by their last name, as opposed to a Japanese thing where the family name goes first. Their names are different in Japan. So I think that's one of the things they pulled from the live action movie and probably the only thing they pulled from the live action movie. <laughs> yeah, but with regard to the introduction of the character, I feel like there's there's a way of telling that story that kind of builds a good first act. Because if you look at what Donkey Kong is in terms of the story of Donkey Kong, it's a construction site. Mario's working construction at that point in his life. He's, uh, I think, a carpenter or something like that. And he's working construction and there's an ape incident. You don't necessarily have to address exactly how the ape incident happened. You just have to kind of address that there was an ape incident involving his, uh, his girlfriend, then Pauline. I think. Pauline, yes. Who is now the mayor of New Donk City in Super Mario Odyssey. 
Right. I have not played Mario Odyssey, but I did hear about her return to the franchise. But I've long had a thought about what would have been an interesting return of Pauline to the franchise. This is a bit of a side note, because this is more a pitch for a game, really, is a game where you play as Pauline, finding out that Mario is not dead. He's been presumed dead for years. And now Pauline basically tracks him to the Mushroom Kingdom, talks to Princess Peach, and Peach is like, yeah, no, he's been living here and he's been rescuing me from all sorts of trouble and... Giant lizard dragon turtle thing. And Pauline is like, he he never told me he was alive. Well, they didn't have cell phones in the 80s. I am super angry at him right now. And he's found a new love interest and this is messed up. I am really angry at this guy. So now you play as Pauline chasing down Mario to basically... Whip his ass. Do the opposite of give him a cake. <laughs> and as a second player, you can have Peach. Third player, you can have Daisy. Toadette. Well, Daisy, because Daisy was a rescue, too. Daisy's player four. Daisy was from the Mario Land games. Yes. And she was also in the live action movie. Yes. She was Daisy, but she was also Princess Toadstool, which is confusing because Peach is Princess Toadstool. She was called Princess Toadstool in the first game, but it's Peach Toadstool, apparently. Yeah, it got really <laughs> weird. Uh, The lore is confusing. Yeah. You know, characters have multiple names. King Koopa is also Bowser. And multiple backstories. There's multiple backstories. You know, there's a whole thing. So Uh, back to the the, the first act thing. If you introduce it through like Mario gets fired from the construction job because he gets blamed for the gorilla incident, whether he caused it or not, you don't have to address whether he was the cause of the gorilla incident. According to some booklets and stories, it was his gorilla. So that's you don't have to be 100% definitive about whether or not he's to blame for the situation, but he gets blamed for the situation. And he gets fired. And then he and his brother start a plumbing service. They start a plumbing service. They go on a job. They track this problem to the sewer. And there's an infestation of these weird creatures, crab creatures and insect creatures and stuff. And crabs and bugs and turtles. and Right. And they get in this argument and they start fighting each other. And then you have the Mario Brothers arcade game represented in a scene in the sewer where they're sort of fighting each other. And then they calm down. They stop fighting and then they go and follow these creatures and they end up going through a warp pipe, and that's how they end up in the Mushroom Kingdom. So then you have, like, going through three games. I find it interesting that you want to uh, include homages to Mario's start, at least, with Donkey Kong and the regular Mario Brothers game in the Super Mario Brothers movie. While I think that's cute... (laughs) Well, it should be cute. (laughs) I don't know if it's something that would really move the story forward. Well, I think it would because it would establish the relationship between the brothers and it would establish the whole plumber thing and how that's not necessarily a permanent position because Nintendo has said that Mario isn't a plumber. He was a plumber and he's a hero. Yeah, he's definitely a jack of all trades. He's a golfer. He was a referee in boxing. He Uh, was a doctor. (laughs) He's a doctor. He's Dr. Mario. I don't know where he got his PhD. He wasn't a doctor and then like, you know, he's a plumber and then he's in the mushroom kingdom and suddenly he gets his doctorate later that's supposed to take years man i don't know where the correlation of time is well in the mushroom kingdom clearly they have advanced education that's that's entirely possible yes. yeah because you you can become a doctor a lot quicker in the mushroom kingdom e- evidently i mean hey here's a cool thing luigi became a doctor there's a dr luigi game that came out a couple years ago for the year of luigi yeah he's also a ghost hunter he's a ghost hunter yeah 
Uh, he's done that several times, thanks to Dr. Egad. But yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, there's so much lore and so much history with all of these games. I like the inclusion of the original Mario Brothers game as, you know, they start as plumbers, go through a warp pipe, end up in the Mushroom Kingdom. That's cool. It establishes their plumbing roots while also paying homage to the original game. I don't know if including Donkey Kong or even, even a mention of Donkey Kong, if it's just a passing mention, I kind of like that more than just like showing the incident. Well, yeah, you don't have to show the incident. I'm talking about just having that be like a thing that Mario is getting fired and they start a plumbing service because then you can have the introduction of the phrase Mario Brothers or even Super Mario Brothers because Mario gets Luigi's van painted and maybe that's what they're arguing about because Mario gets Mario Brothers plumbing or Super Mario Brothers plumbing painted on Luigi's van without his permission and that could be what they're fighting over. It's fodder for character stuff. Sure, sure. I think it opens with him getting his walking papers and leaving the carpentry business behind and joining up with Luigi who's already a plumber or something like that. But anyway. Yeah, and he's like, well, this is my company now. <laughs> yes, exactly. I take over. I'm the older brother. I'll do it. So that's how we get them to the Mushroom Kingdom. I think for a Mario Brothers movie to be cohesive, to be laser focused on a storyline, you kind of have to parse down considering there's so many characters out there. Oh yeah, you don't um, you don't involve everyone in the big way. You don't involve everyone. Clearly, I don't think animating what essentially could amount to being boss battles. You know, you're going through different levels of worlds. You know, you're going across all these different lands in the Mushroom Kingdom and you come up against a boss in every castle. I don't know if that's really the way to go. Although if you don't do that, some people might be slightly disappointed, like including the Koopa Kids or something like that. I think you can include the Koopa Kids to some extent. I don't think you do like you go through a repetitive structure of because the first game is repetitive because of how it was programmed. Like it had to be repetitive. Of course. And I think if you tell the story, you kind of tell it as if it's a vague memory of the game. Sure. Because I think what you do with the boss battles is you you just make it one at the end, if anything. And everything leading up to that is like... Oh, yeah, of course. And if you're doing a boss battle, it's going to be just Bowser. You can have various confrontations before that, but not necessarily like doing the same type of thing over and over again. Yeah, don't jump on him three times and then it's over. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and you, you don't like break the bridge a bunch of times. Yeah, that's... Uh, actually, no, I you're breaking the bridge a bunch of times, that could be animated pretty well. <laughs> if you think about it, you know, Mario, you thinking that's a strategy to get Bowser to fall. That could be interesting. Considering how they've now changed how big Bowser is, and especially in the newer games, which are more 3D, that boss battle probably will not be quite the same as it was in that classic game. So that's probably going to be a little bit more dynamic because of the animation, I think and the way the characters. I think the, the animation that they're going to go with is kind of like the more modern style with the 3D games. Well, yeah, presumably. I figure that's a given. It's not going to be an 8-bit movie. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what I mean by saying that is that if they do have the final battle conflict to end the movie, third act, what have you, it's probably going to be more attuned with how the boss battles look in the later games than, you know, leap jump land, leap jump land. I think the best thing they can do is not design scenes as if they are game levels and not design confrontations as if they are boss battles. I think what you do is you go for what the character motivation is and what the situation is and you build it around that. Yeah. And I think you can make little nods to things that are done in the games but not necessarily have the thing play out as it does in the game because I think there's a distinct difference between telling a story in a movie and creating a gameplay experience. I think those are two very different things. Yeah, absolutely. But going back, we're suddenly gone from the first act to the ending. Let's let's go back here a little bit. Yes. Let's talk about what characters you'd like to actually see be in the movie. Firstly, obviously, 
obviously Mario and Luigi, we've already established that. In the original Mario Brothers game, in the very first Super Mario Brothers game, in the instruction booklet, it says that the inhabitants of the Mushroom Kingdom have been turned into the blocks that Mario hits, the Goombas, the Koopas. Right. And he just straight murders everything, if you think <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah. Mario's running through and he's breaking the blocks. That's not freeing anybody. You don't see anybody get out of that after that. And he stomps on the Goombas and they're flat and gone. He's straight up murdered everything in there. Now, that's a limitation of the game. We will have to say that. <laughs> that's a limitation of the game, obviously. What I'm saying is, let's, when they get through the warp pipe, they meet Toad immediately. Yes. Toad is the emissary of the kingdom. And he explains a little bit. Yeah, he's the guide. He's the guide. He explains a little bit of what the enemies are. And, you know, maybe not the Mushroom Kingdom inhabitants are blocks anymore. But he explains that the Goombas and the Koopas, they're bad guys. So that Mario can murder indiscriminately. (laughs) Um... But I think establishing once Mario and Luigi have gone through the warp pipe, kind of this fish out of water thing. They're in a place they've never been before. They're in a world that they've never seen before. Yeah. And having Toad be the emissary and help them guide through the world saying, hey, look, our princess has been kidnapped. You guys appeared out of nowhere as if prophesized from the scrolls of ancient or some such bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) And you are the chosen heroes to go help rescue our princess. This is the path you must take. These are the bad guys. Can you help us out? And they go along their way, letting them be kind of in awe of the world around them because, hey, it doesn't look like where they're from. The pipes are the only familiar thing because they were just plumbers. So they understand pipes, the warp pipes. That's the only carryover from the original Mario Brothers to Super Mario Brothers. Right. But beyond that, do you have them meet Yoshi in the first movie as another thing that helps them along their journey? That's a fair question. I would kind of say yes. A, because Yoshi is probably one of the most popular characters along with Mario and Luigi. True. And two, it's dinosaurs, it's kids. Yeah. Yeah, you can include that. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I think that's fair. I think it's fair to combine, not unlike what the live action movie did, of combining Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario World mm-hmm. into kind of one thing. Not necessarily the same way. Obviously. But yes, I agree that you can include certain things because I think Super Mario World very much fleshed out the universe of the Mushroom Kingdom or, well, Dinosaur Land, I guess. Yeah, which is kind of an extension of Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah. So I think you maybe include Dinosaur Land as part of Mushroom Kingdom and you have them go through because they would go through many different parts of the Mushroom Kingdom and one of the parts of the Mushroom Kingdom would be Dinosaur Land and that's where they join up with Yoshi. I think that's a reasonable approach. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. And you can maybe even reference Mario Galaxy and stuff and have part of the movie be in space and stuff. If they just go through various locations, you can pick and choose from all the different games and sort of combine into one story. Yeah, see where your references are coming from, especially since the games are so plentiful, there's a lot of history to pull from. Right, which means you can build a story out of elements of all these other stories. You don't have to make like, oh, here's movie one, it's Super Mario Brothers 1. Here's movie two, it's all a dream. Here's movie three, it's a play. It's a stage play. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, let's not... Let's not do that because pulling elements from all of the, the, not all of them, but pulling elements from a lot of the game titles is probably the best way to go because the series is so large, because there's so many games. There's likely people out there who love Mario who haven't played everything. Right. And, you know, they have their own reference points to it. And if you have like a sequence where they're in the desert and they're hallucinating that they're being attacked by the sun and finally the sun goes down and they go to 
sleep and there's a dream sequence, then you can reference Dreamland from yeah. Mario Brothers 2. So like you can have little bits and pieces of things show up where it makes sense for the story. You don't pack the movie with every reference. You just sort of go, oh, we need a dream sequence here. So there's Shy Guys and there's Turnips, you know? Yeah. Just throw it in where it fits. Like, oh, well, we need to go up in the air. Okay, there's a flying boat, you know? Yes, exactly. You know, and you include these little references to all the games, you know? There's one area where they go through where suddenly they're paper thin. They are made of paper, essentially. They can fold their bodies into paper airplanes and travel across areas quickly or not saying that battles would suddenly become turn-based but (laughs) they're in an area where they've become two-dimensional and they quickly get through that just as an homage to the paper mario series i'm honestly not sure i'd include that because that seems like one of those things that might be pulling away from the story in order to get the reference in as opposed to but i'm saying that's just another land you know it's another idea yeah again this is all spitballing this is also all assuming that the movie itself is going to be giving you an origin to Mario. Yeah, it might not. As if we've assumed that you don't already know who the character is. The movie could be taking the assumption that, yeah, the audience obviously knows who Mario is, knows who Luigi is. This is not an origin movie. We're going to treat this as another story in the game series, only it's not a game, it's something you watch. They could already have these characters established for a movie, too. I think if that's the approach, the thing that I think should be the main inspiration for how to tell that story, I think, is the Mario and Luigi games for... uh, Was it the... Game Boy Advance or the... They're on Game Boy Advance and the DS systems. Yeah. Um, those are role-playing games as well. Those are kind of extensions of the Paper Mario games. Yeah. And that means there's a lot of story and there's a lot of exploration of character of sorts in as much as Mario games do that people will encounter Mario and comment on like, oh, you're good at jumping. There's more lore in those games than there typically is in the Mario platformers. Yeah. But in those, Mario and Luigi both kind of seem to take a, a bit of a bad seat as far as being talkative protagonists (laughs) well they talk but they say nonsense yeah yeah they're mostly mute in those games they're mostly mute in all games well the newer games mario definitely says a lot more which is why charles martinet voices him um but in a lot of the other games obviously in the 8-bit games completely there's not even any dialogue boxes for them but in the mario and luigi games especially there's no dialogue boxes for them. They just sort of nod their heads and agree with everyone. And say nonsense words in fake Italian. Yeah, so it's a lot of grumbling. (laughs) It's a lot of grumbling in those games. There definitely is a lot of lore with those games, but I always feel like because you're playing as Mario and Luigi in the Mario and Luigi games, one person controls both characters a lot of times in those games. Those characters don't have much character to them. Well, it's more their relationship with other characters. It's sure. people talking to them as if they know them, which is what you would get if you do a movie where Mario and Luigi are established heroes. Sure, sure. Because that's what they are in those games. They are established heroes is what I'm kind of getting at with that observation. Well, they also do that with a lot of the more recent games too, with your Mario Odyssey, with your Mario Galaxies, with your Mario Sunshine. Right. You know, they're established as being, they've been in the Mushroom Kingdom for a while. They're already established as being heroes. So, yeah, obviously that is something that they would go through if that's where the movie is deciding to go rather than an origin story. Right. I use origin story very loosely here, obviously, because, you know, it's kind of a superhero, but not really. Yeah. 
but it's really all dependent on what direction they take. Honestly, I think we'd like to see, at least as far as consumers, the story we've heard in games fleshed out more. So sort of, yes, I'd like to see more of Mario's origin in getting to the Mushroom Kingdom for the first time. I don't know if that's definitely the way they're going to go with this movie because I kind of feel like because everybody knows who Mario is and Mario is established, they'll just continue on as if this is a game in the series that you just watch. That is possible. I personally think they should do an origin story because I think... Oh, no, I agree. I think the approach should be to tell a version of the story of Mario as opposed to, uh, here's another Mario adventure in a long line of Mario adventures because I think there are going to be people who don't play video games who you want to tell the story to. There are going to be people who maybe have played the games but don't know the origin because the games don't really go into the origin anymore. They just sort of... Yep, here's another adventure. Peach has been kidnapped again. Yeah, exactly. And you don't really get that thing because I think a lot of kids now just don't know where Mario comes from. I mean, they've probably heard that he's plumber, but even in the first game, there isn't really any explanation within the game of where he comes from. That's all in the booklet. Yeah, but also within the game, they didn't explain plots within games a lot in those days either. I mean, asteroids, you don't get told that you're whatever, you're in asteroids, you're a little triangle, but you're a spaceship blowing up asteroids. Yeah. There's no reason given. Well, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. There was never really a game that told the story of where Mario comes from. There were cartoon theme songs that told of where Mario came from. And there was the live action movie, which sort of told a version of it. But we haven't really seen a definitive version of the Mario origin on any kind of screen. And ideally, that's what we want to see. Yeah, I think it makes sense to go, oh, you know that character Mario? Well, here's his story, you know? Right. As opposed to going, well, here's another Mario adventure, except you don't get to play it. (laughs) Right, exactly. So what we're saying is, as IP consultants, this is the way they should go, is with doing an origin story. Yeah. Even though everybody's tired of seeing origin stories for characters they know, I think in this one case, because it's not as well-established as the origin of many of the other characters in IPs that we've discussed, I think that this is a better direction to take than just having it be just another adventure. And I'm still on record as saying I'm not tired of origin stories. I just want to see origin stories done well. Oh, of course, of course. I'm not saying stop all origins completely. I'm saying stop making them look like every other origin story. <laughs> yeah, you don't, want, you, want, you don't want a completely formulaic origin story. And I think that's yes. that's part of why I'm suggesting that you could do the ape incident as part of it, because that's such a random, weird thing. Yeah, it's a random, weird thing to open with. And that puts the audience in a certain headspace of like, oh, I didn't know I was going to get this. Right, exactly. Which is a good place to get your audience in, because then if you're just giving people exactly what they expect, then people are going to go, oh, Okay. Like, yeah. You want that little bit of like, wait, oh, this is what the movie is? This is going to be different. This is going to be a little twisted. What I usually say about origin stories is let's not repeat the origin we've had four times. Yeah. Especially with characters that we've rebooted and remade and redone so many times. Yeah. This is Mario. I mean, yes, we've kind of gotten an origin in the live action thing, but a lot of people kind of ignore the live action thing because it wasn't what they wanted. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Give us Mario's origin in this movie, but do it well. Do it in a fun way that not a lot of origins have done. Introduce him as, as you said, Losing his carpentry job and joining up with his brother's plumbing outfit and taking over the plumbing outfit. And so they get into an argument and suddenly they're in it. Yes, the whole thing. 
I really dig that idea. The other thing that we've sort of touched upon with regard to origin stories is there is the other origin story, which is the Yoshi's Island. Yeah, Yoshi's Island is kind of a prequel to the games. Right. And then somehow the babies get into the regular lore through the sports games and Mario Kart. Um, (laughs) Right. So yeah, in Yoshi's Island, it is a prequel that the Mario Brothers, well, Mario mostly, lands on Dinosaur Island as a baby. And there's a baby Bowser. So he's landed in there. And so the Yoshis decide to take care of this baby and travel him across the land to get him home, I think. And also maybe reunite him with his brother or the other babies, whatever. It's very convoluted. I've actually never played Yoshi's Island. I have played part of it, but I've never finished it, so I don't know how it ends. Yeah. But I've gotten the sense that the story that that game tells is that Mario and Luigi grew up on Dinosaur Island, and they've never been yeah. they've never been in the regular world, which is a very different lore from what the cartoons told and what the animated... Because in the anime, they, they got sucked into the TV or something, I think? Yeah. Very strange. So that was very different. Uh, but, but all of those animated things, that live-action TV show, the animated TV show, all of that came out before Super Mario World 2. All of those right. happened before that game even came out. Right. So that game was very much a very strange retcon, That very much altered the entire story. And that raises a lot of questions, because do you in any way include that? And like, if Shigeru Miyamoto, let's say, says, no, Yoshi's Island is the canon, all this other stuff, ignore that. This is the movie. Mario and Luigi grow up on Dinosaur Island with the Yoshis. Where do you go from there if that's the canon? Yeah, exactly. Personally, only because I haven't played it. And here's here's the thing. The Mario canon ever since then has been the loosest canon ever. <laughs> it, it is very loose canon, yeah. Because, like, you've got the Super Mario games, and they sort of have this through line of Mario as the hero. Yoshi's Island, Super Mario World 2, kind of took a detour of that and was sort of a prequel to the series. Right. Mario was kind of a MacGuffin. But from that point, the Mario babies, as they are established in Yoshi's Island, are now somehow through time travel or whatnot. (laughs) It's very unclear. They might be clones. In the, it's super, it's super unclear, are now interacting with the grown-up Mario and Luigi. Yeah. Because technically, why is, why do the Mario brothers and Peach and Toad have a party playing a board game with their enemies? Uh, (laughs) They play tennis with them. They play golf with them. They ride around on go-karts with them. Um, all of that is bizarre. There is a Mario and Luigi game for DS where you control four characters. You control Mario and Luigi and baby Mario and baby Luigi Yep, all together. That one, I think, because it includes some sort of weird time warp or whatever is how they're all together at once. But man, that gets way convoluted. Yep. <laughs> and I think a movie for the Mario Brothers should probably try to clarify and make clearer the whole Mario origin thing. Having them grow up on Dinosaur Island, I don't know if that's established from that game on. I don't think they ever say that because I think just Mario and Luigi live in the Mushroom Kingdom now. I don't think they grew up entirely on Dinosaur Island. I kind of want to look it up now. I kind of want to look up what the ending to Mario World 2 is. Because again, I it's a game I've never played. I was turned off by the art style when it came out. I've recently watched part of a playthrough of it recently, and I was like, oh wow, now I actually kind of dig the art style now. 
but I was completely turned off on it when it came out. But this playthrough doesn't play it through all the way to the end. They It was on Game Grumps, so they played it to a certain point and then stopped. Mm. But I kind of want to look up and maybe Wikipedia, like, what the actual ending to the game is to see if that actually is the established lore that they grew up there and never went back to, quote-unquote, our world or whatever. Because I think, yes, growing up on Dinosaur Island is an interesting thing, but it kind of unintentionally convolutes everything. Yes, that is my opinion as well, which is why I'm worried that that's what might be what the canon is. Because if that is what the official canon is, and Nintendo and Shigeru Miyamoto are involved with the movie then there is a certain risk that they're gonna go with the most convoluted canon, which maybe wouldn't be the smartest move in terms of telling a story that people can connect with easily. If it's like, oh yeah, these guys, they grew up in this world, this very bizarre world. They were raised by dinosaurs. That becomes a little harder to relate to than these were a couple of regular Joes from some city somewhere who got removed into this fantasy land of fairy tale stuff and dinosaurs and mushrooms. Yeah. Oh, man. So I, I, I looked up the plot of the game, but it doesn't really give us what happens at the end. It doesn't really say, oh, yeah, does he reunite the brothers and they go home? I think they just reunite them. I don't think they go home. I think the implication is that this is their home now. I might be completely wrong about this, but I I feel like I've definitely picked up that somewhere. Okay, so I I think we're going to pause here real quick to watch the ending. And there's a stork with baby Luigi. It was a stork that flew over and dropped the babies. Right. And Kamek kidnaps one and Yoshi rescues Mario. So, yeah. They've reunited with Luigi, and then it's fading out. Stork is still hanging upside down. Thus, due to the marvelous teamwork of the Yoshi clan, the twins are reunited. They're twins now, not an older brother. The captured Stork is freed by Yoshi and sets about his duty and finally makes a long-awaited delivery. So they are returned to their home. Thank you, Yoshi. The twins will meet the parents soon. So they're twins now. Yes. Unless Mario, because they always said that Mario was the older one. I don't know if they always said that. The movie and the cartoons and stuff, there's usually an age difference. But yeah, in the games, I don't think they've ever been specific other than in that one. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. In the first couple of games where Luigi was, which is Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers, they look the same, except they wear different clothes. So yeah, the idea of them being twins doesn't seem like a huge leap because the first time they really looked different was Mario 2. Yeah. And that was because it was an adaptation of a different game. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a there's a whole story behind how that happened oh yeah because super mario brothers 2 they thought was too hard for western audiences it's not just that it goes even deeper because doki doki panic was originally supposed to be super mario brothers 2 as far as i've read it was supposed to be and it was canceled and then they picked it back up to turn it into doki doki panic as a tie-in because there was some event or something so they repurposed super mario brothers 2 into Doki Doki Panic and then repurposed it back into Super Mario Brothers 2 when they brought it over to the US. And the reason why it was originally canceled was because it wouldn't fit on a cartridge. So they had to make it for the disc thing. I hadn't heard any of that. That's the story I've heard. And I don't know if it's 100% accurate. I had just heard that Doki Doki Panic was its own game and they just reskinned it to make it Mario Brothers 2. Well, they sort of did because they had to change it back and they sort of managed to push it onto a cartridge. They managed to squeeze it onto a cartridge when they redid it. But I believe it was originally canceled because it wouldn't fit on a cartridge. And so they panicked and went, ah, we got to just make a slightly different version of Super Mario Brothers 1 and release that as Super Mario Brothers 2. Right. I think that was a panic move because they had a deadline. Looks like they have arrived where mom and dad live. 
Where do they live? Uh, it is a mushroom-shaped house, and the stork has dropped off the two bundles. Like, you know how a stork carries a baby in a nappy. So he drops off the two nappy sacks. Right, so that suggests Mushroom Kingdom, probably. It does suggest Mushroom Kingdom. Because you don't see a lot of mushroom-shaped houses outside of the Mushroom Kingdom and Smurf Village. Right, so they maybe they, maybe they were raised by Smurfs. <laughs> well, we have a mom and a dad, and they're holding up the babies. Heroes are born. That would be quite the crossover if they were raised by Smurfs. Uh, <laughs> that's it. They just raise the babies up. You can't see that on your thing. Yeah, so they were brought to the Mushroom Kingdom? Uh, yeah, it seems so. So basically, there's these two ideas of, of where they grew up. They either grew up in the Mushroom Kingdom... Or they grew up in, quote-unquote, our world. Yeah, and the, quote-unquote, our world, according to some stories, is Brooklyn. But that's yeah. all American versions Otherwise, it might have been Japan. It might have been Italy. <laughs> I don't know what Shigeru Miyamoto was thinking originally before introducing the Baby Mario concept. And I don't know how married he is to that concept now. Yeah, so there's a couple of changes to the lore that are definitely established. I think to make things cohesive, we drop the Baby Mario thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I would also suggest drawing the Baby Mario thing. And if you're going to do anything with the Baby Mario thing, you wait a long time before you bring that into the franchise. Yeah, wait a long time before bringing it into the franchise as far as the movies. Because that's so so complicated yeah and honestly kind of dumb <laughs> just makes a great game would not really make a good story or cohesive story arc yeah i think if nintendo says to illumination yeah you got to include this and then illumination goes are you sure about that i feel like they could make a good argument for no but then again, yeah. it depends on how much control Nintendo has and how married they are to that concept. Exactly. Because there is a certain risk that they're just going to put their foot down and say, no, you got to do it this way. They could pull a Capcom did with the Street Fighter live action movie and it's like, wait, we've just introduced four new characters in the game. Include them, too. Yeah, <laughs> that could happen. That could very well happen. I don't know that they necessarily would, but it might. And on the off chance that that happens... Do we have a Baby Mario inclusive version of an idea for a Mario movie that would work? Oh, God. Um, yes, we could roll that intro that we've got of him with the ape incident back a little bit more <laughs> to the bundles arriving on the doorstep. <laughs> but, like, you know, just have it established that instead of living in Brooklyn... They live in the Mushroom Kingdom, and they grew up in a house that's shaped like a mushroom. And they just happen to be two guys, two Italian plumbers <laughs> who inexplicably live on another world rather than in Italy or in Brooklyn. Yeah. That's really the only best approach for it is to establish it at the beginning of the movie. They grew up in this area rather than having them use a warp pipe to go to the princess. The warp pipe just warps them to the princess's castle. Right. So they're just sort of two human plumbers who live in a world full of toads and toadstools and mushrooms. And they uh, <laughs> Mario games are weird. Yeah, they they really, really are. There are a lot of trippy concepts in these games that are really hard to justify in a story. And people were turned into blocks. I scream into the night sky, shaking my fist, going, Japan!
And you take mushrooms and you get taller? Yeah, why, what is, I mean, hey, anything can happen on mushrooms. With regard to the power-ups, how much of the power-ups do you include in the movie? Do you do the mushroom that makes you big, or does it just make you strong, and the being big is just symbolism? I would say it just makes you stronger. Definitely include the fire flower, though. That's just awesome. Yeah, you might even be able to include the ice flower, if you need it. Yeah, that's a newer thing, maybe. If you need it, that's pushing it, but the fire flower is more iconic. Yeah. I think, definitely the mushroom makes you stronger. I think the only way they could show that in games was to make him small and make him bigger. I did do a parody song called What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Smaller um, <laughs> about the Mario Brothers games. Yeah. Sung by Peach. Sung by my ex-wife as a parody of that Kelly Clarkson song, Stronger. So there is that correlation there, at least from a song I wrote. <laughs> but no, I, I always took the implication to mean that literally it's just showing the size difference because that's the best way to imply a strength thing in the game. Yeah, I figured that too. So I think it just makes you stronger than larger. Yeah, that makes sense. So definitely that's something that they can use in that. Yeah, you can have a mushroom that makes you strong. You could just have it be a healing mushroom. Mm -hmm. Like it's a mushroom that if you're sick, you take the mushroom and you feel better. Because they did have poison mushrooms too in, in the actual Mario Brothers 2 game. Right, the Japanese. What's known as the lost levels everywhere else. Yeah. Um, they had purple mushrooms that took away life. Yes. So if you were super, it made you smaller. If you were small, it killed you. So the poison mushrooms are definitely a thing that, as a wink to people who maybe have played Lost Levels or the Japanese audience, including them, be interesting, even though they've never been in really in any game since. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of things haven't been in any game since. The Tanuki Tail, which appeared in Super Mario Brothers 3, was replaced by Cape in Super Mario World. Yeah. I'm assuming because the Tanuki mythology doesn't exist outside of Japan. Right. So they just wanted to make it more internationally understandable. Absolutely, yeah. Because the Tanuki mythology is there's a lot of stuff there's the giant testicles which they were omitted from the tanuki suit but that would have been <laughs> rightfully so yeah because the giant bouncy testicles that might be a bit much yeah no that's how you follow along to the theme song they just bounce along on the lyrics and <laughs> <laughs> Now I just have gummy bears in my head. Yeah. And also in the Tanuki suit, you could turn into a statue. There was a frog suit in those games, too. There was a giant shoe you rode around in. Later games, you got the cape from a feather. Yeah. And there was other suits. There's a freaking cat suit in Mario 3D World. You grab what looks like a giant acorn, and that puts you into a propeller suit. Like, wh what is happening in the Mushroom Kingdom? It's a weird world full of weird, strange things. And I think the fish out of water thing yeah. is something you can definitely use. If you go with the Mario Brothers are from our world angle, then you can definitely get to the whole thing of like, why? Yeah, what is, how did I get a cape from a feather? Yeah, absolutely. I think the fish out of water angle is probably the best approach to take for Mario being a character in a movie in a world that he's never seen before. Yeah. You know, having not grown up in the Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> Please don't let him have grown up already in the Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, I think that would throw off a lot of audiences who who think of... Of him being from Brooklyn. Yeah. Like, you don't have to establish that he's from specifically Brooklyn, but I think you just put him in a generic city in the beginning. Yeah. Like, maybe he's from New Donk City. You know, <laughs> where Pauline is the mayor. You know, that's the most sea-like city, although Mario doesn't look like the rest of the humans in that. And I think they said something about that recently, too. Mario is kind of short and stout and bulbous nose and everything. And everybody else walking around New Donk City is kind of tall and slender. And Mario looks like a weird J.R. Tolkien kind of dwarf. Cartoon character? <laughs> yeah, he looks like a cartoon character in a world. Of, and I think they said something about where he's a magical being or something like that. I think Miyamoto said something that made that fit or something. 
something. I don't remember the quote. I don't remember if I imagined it. It just, I seem to think something was explained about that. But I think at a certain point, Illumination kind of has to put their foot down and go, yeah, eh. <laughs> Take the reins on this and steer it in the right direction, the direction that we're implying, because that's what we do as IP consultants. We kind of steer you into the right direction. And we're saying all of these goofy things are too fucking goofy. They don't make sense. There's nothing cohesive about them. They have to have a good direction. Yeah, you kind of have to have a center for all the strange things. And I think Mario and Luigi need to be the normal part. And once you start getting too weird with Mario and Luigi, you kind of lose the center of it. Yeah, you have to have it grounded at least in something. And having it sort of this fish out of water in a world they've never seen before coming from our world into this lavish exotic fantasy land grounds the characters on a relatable basis for everyone. Right. You know, they're reacting how you think you would react in this world where suddenly you're murdering mushrooms indiscriminately by <laughs> jumping on their heads. I think with regard to jumping on things' heads and murdering them, how married are we to that concept? Oh, not at all. Because the murder <laughs> thing is a bit tricky, and the jumping on animals' heads... It's a children's movie. They're not murdering. They're knocking them out. They're knocking them unconscious. They're stopping them in their tracks. They're just bonking them on their heads, and they go to sleep for a while. <laughs> right. Suddenly nobody bursts into coins. <laughs> yeah, I think some things have to be taken as metaphor, which I think is what the live action movie was trying to do, but they went maybe a little too far with taking things as metaphor. Yeah. Like Big Bertha? Oh, that's just some lady. Right. Like, not a fish? <laughs> not a fish at all. The Goombas are large and they just have weird heads. Yeah, you know, all of that is uh, uh, too far. So yeah, I think them just kind of jumping on them to knock them out, to use them to reach a higher areas, they bounce on them to jump higher, because he's jump man. Yeah, the jumping has to play some role in it. <laughs> Jumping absolutely has to play some role with it. I think even at the start, I think you got to establish that Mario and Luigi are good jumpers from the go. They were on the pole vault team in high school growing up together. Yeah, or something like that. Like when you're establishing the characters in the real world, as you should, I think, yeah, that's when you start laying in these foundations of, oh, these guys are exceptional jumpers. They're good at jumping for some reason. They almost went to the Olympics for it, but they decided to carry on their family business from their parents who were plumbers. I don't know. That's, again, spitballing ideas here that have to ground the characters into some sort of reality. Yeah, and I think with the whole dialogue thing, that's one of the big challenges of Mario, because obviously both of these characters are not very talkative. They get talked to a lot in the games, but they don't yeah. specifically say a lot. They have lines, but they're like, they have little catchphrases and little funny things that they say but they don't it's me they don't hold conversations in the games yeah but i think when you do the movie you have to get away from that and actually give them conversation actually give them emotion and a lot of the conversation would be between mario and luigi talking to each other and toad and toad if toad is guiding the whole time toad in the game is just kind of sends them on their way and they get to a castle and it's a different toad who's there going nope wrong castle and so many toads they're all named toad they all look like toad there's a lot of toads I, I i don't know if toad would travel with them or not i think toad would travel with them but be less 
sort of active yeah. in the action. I think maybe you send also Toadette with them, who might be a little more active. Yeah, Toadette's a lot more talkative in the games. <laughs> yeah, I think you can include Toadette as a more active character. I think you send Toad and Toadette with the Mario Brothers as sort of Toad as a guide and Toadette as sort of, I know how to do things. Right, exactly. And then have them guide them through the world. So she becomes more of a mentor. Introduce them to what the creatures are. Have them not know who Yoshi is and then Mario and Luigi establish a friendship with the Yoshis and have the Yoshi help them on their journey yeah let's not do the sacrifice that you do in the game <laughs> where you jump with yoshi and then you leap off his back in order to get to a higher place and just send him hurtling into a pit of doom because kids will you could do that in the games and that's fine because you know you'll get another yoshi you do that in a movie with a character kids are going to start crying yeah that's <laughs> the thing is uh, with the sacrifice of yoshi the only way you could possibly do the sacrifice of yoshi in a movie is if Yoshi sacrifices himself to yeah. save everyone else, and it's Yoshi's choice. Yeah, absolutely. I think if Mario or Luigi just straight up kills Yoshi for personal gain, I think that's going too far. Yeah, a bit, a bit. That's the thing you want to really avoid. But if Yoshi sacrifices himself, I think that could be a very sad scene. But we've seen that scene many times, and it's probably better not to do it. Because you probably want Mario to be a lighthearted movie. You don't want it to be too sad. Yeah, you don't want it to be too sad or too brutal, for example. Yes, let's have Yoshi's tongue reach out and eat enemies, but let's not have Mario punching him in the back of the head to make him do it. <laughs> I don't think he ever... Yes, that has actually been established. They actually say, no, he's not pointing. He's punching Yoshi in the back of the head to make him spit it out his tongue. Really? They, they just said that, <laughs> like, a couple months ago. Oh, these things that they say. And people are horrified by that. Why do they keep saying things? Stop Japaning all over it. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> so yes, let's make Mario, oh, get that thing in points. Don't make him punch Yoshi to make him rip out his tongue and, oh, it's just wrong. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta be sort of a little bit more careful about that stuff. I think as a general rule, whenever something is a little too weird or a little too cruel, consider it a metaphor and... Yeah, absolutely. Interpret it differently. <laughs> Take that as a rule of thumb, Illumination. Oh, man. Okay, so we've kind of established how we want the movie to go. Definitely having the homages to the other games, but not having it really be an adaptation of any one game. Right. I think that's really the direction we want this to go for the animated movie. Whether they're doing that or not, whether or not that's how it's being scripted, we don't know. Because the only thing that we've heard is that it's coming. Right, and we don't even know who's writing it. Don't know who's writing it, don't know who's directing it. We just know that Illumination Entertainment is involved. We know who some of the go-to writers of Illumination are. We know Brian Lynch is yeah. one of the writers who has... Brian Lynch is one of them. I was actually just going to mention him. I worked with Brian many years ago on moviepoopshoot.com. And Brian's sort of a friend. Uh, and <laughs> so, yeah, he wrote the Minions movie. He wrote both Secret Life of Pets movies. There's a second one coming out. He wrote the first one. The second one's coming out. He wrote Hop. He's written a bunch of movies in, in Hollywood. And he's also written some comics for IDW. Yeah, he wrote a Bill and Ted's comic. He wrote some Ninja Turtles. Some Ninja Turtles stuff. He wrote Angel. And uh, yeah, so he's a decent writer out there that is possibly who they could tap. Although I will say he's not mentioned anything about being involved with the Mario movie yeah no nobody's mentioned anything <laughs> mainly because he's been working on secret life of pets 2 currently yeah I, I don't suspect that he's the writer of this movie although yeah i don't i would have been pretty happy to hear if they had announced that because yeah definitely right 
really good. I'm not saying that everything he's ever written is great, but I've enjoyed his comics based on established IPs. And as such, I think he would be a writer who would be capable of handling something like Super Mario Brothers because... Absolutely. Years ago, he wrote a treatment for a Sims movie. So Right. <laughs> he also wrote a Muppet movie script, I think, at one point. He did. He did. It. The script got bought for that Muppet movie, and they ended up not using it. Right. But they did like it, and he was hired to write the script. They wrote the script. They bought the script. And then they sat on the script, and then they ended up not doing it and doing this Jason Siegel one instead. Yeah. And in terms of directors, there are a few people working for Illumination. You got Scott Mosher, who just did The Grinch. Yeah. Scott Mosher and Brian Lynch. Two people who both used to work for Kevin Smith. Yep. Um, <laughs> would, which is how I know them. <laughs> yeah. So aside from that and other people working for Illumination, I mean, we don't know who's doing something. No. We know who's busy. We know who's doing other stuff to some extent. <laughs> But we don't know who's doing it and we don't know what they're doing and we don't know what they're being told to do. Right. So we've laid the groundwork as far as what this movie should be and what this movie should be about. Honestly, there's a lot of capable people at Illumination Entertainment. I think anyone they're going to put into this from their stock of people that they've used is probably going to be someone who will take these ideas to heart as far as I don't think they're going to listen to this podcast. But even if they do, (laughs) this is the way they should go. But I think it's definitely capable hand because illumination is a capable studio right i've i've i don't think i've seen a single one of their movies to be honest <laughs> but i have seen hop was that illumination uh technically yes even though it is a live action movie right hop i've seen i haven't seen any of the despicable me or secret life of pets movies i've seen all of those i saw minions super cute and the despicable me movies are good the third one kind of not as good as the other two but still good and secret life of pets i cried my eyes out too but i also watched it <laughs> right after getting divorced and, and losing my dog in the divorce mm. so <laughs> yeah that, that would possibly sway things in a certain direction yeah so this swayed my emotions a little bit there i didn't lose the dog in the divorce we agreed because i was moving that she would keep the dog right but you know anyway regardless that's neither here nor there well it's there Uh, getting personal on this podcast we (laughs) but yeah for the most part i mean i've really enjoyed what things illumination studios has put out as far as animated features there are a couple things on the forefront too for stuff coming out like i said secret life of pets 2 is coming out soon and they've had individual character trailers for that they've thankfully replaced louis ck from the first movie with Patton oswalt so there's that that's good good move illumination i like Patton oswalt i would have gone with james adomian he does an excellent impression of Louis C.K. <laughs> yeah, but I think they're trying to avoid yeah. any of that. So. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense that they tried to get away from any reminders. Yeah, I'm honestly shocked and pleasantly surprised that they recast Louis with Patton. Not just because they recast him, because that is a smart move to do, but also that they recast him with Patton because I love Patton Oswalt and I want him in every- Yeah, Patton's great. <laughs> Which, by the way, I should have mentioned a couple episodes ago when we talked about, or was it one episode ago? I don't even know. We talked about Mar- Marvel future, I should have mentioned... Yeah, the Marvel draft pick. Yeah, I should have mentioned then that a character I would love to see turn up on the big screen is one of Patton Oswalt's characters from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. One of the Koenig brothers. Yes, because they're great. Yes. And also, you can just introduce a new one and have it be a reference to the show without having it be... Yeah, just have it be a different brother than one of the ones that have been on the show. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, (laughs) that's just a thought. But yeah, I think we've kind of wrapped this up as far as what to do with this IP. I think we've kind of exhausted 
where we can go with these talking points. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Okay. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of IP Consultants. If you have an IP that you think we should consult on or any other suggestions for shows, you can send them to us via email at ipconsultantspodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet it to us on Twitter at ipconsultpod or leave us a message on Facebook at facebook.com slash ipconsultpod. The podcast can, of course, be found on ipconsultants.podbean.com and the episodes are hitting YouTube and will be on iTunes soonish. Once again, my name is Ian. And my name is Vincent. And we'll talk to you next time. Have a tasteful tuna. It's a good time.